Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Podcast. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again, my co-host Richie Schneiderite. Richie, that offensive coaching staff for the football team is starting to round out. Uh, it was just announced about an hour ago that Rutgers is hiring uh, former Rutgers offensive coordinator Dave Brock to join the program as the wide receivers coach, which is shifting Demir Shaw to running backs, running backs coach, and Andy Aurich to tight ends coach. Uh, this one just kind of follows in line with what Shiano has shown is what he values in hiring coaches is some kind of connection either directly to Shiano or directly to members of his coaching staff. So first, let's talk about the connections that Dave Brock has to Rutgers. Uh, I'll, I'll let you just kind of go off there. Yeah, so this this is uh, obviously Dave Brock was the OC back in, uh, what was it, 2012 under Kyle Flood. Yep. He was only here for a year before he uh, went over to Delaware or got, I guess got poached technically, you could say. It's a head coach job. So, I mean, it's, it's still, it's a big job. Um, And this was replacing, this is replacing a legend, Casey Keeler. This was a big deal for, for Delaware football because that was, you know, a coach that brought them a national championship, brought them to Mm -hmm. the the finals in another year, just been just a really, really good coach for a long time. And this is a hire that they knew they wanted to to nail. Didn't necessarily work Mm -hmm. out for him, but go on King. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) I, I mean, uh, it, it's definitely it's weird because you go throughout their resumes and both of their like if you go at Soraka's resume and Dave Brock's resume, you look that back back and forth and it's like all right he was at Delaware in 2012 he was there 2011 like ah, and then he flip flops kind of uh, so it, it it was really close to them having a couple connections and all of a sudden I keep going back I keep going back I'm like what the hell where did I see Western Connecticut State before and I'm like oh shit wait it's on both of theirs so 91 to 93 uh, Dave Brock was the DB's coach at Western Connecticut State. 92 was the year where they, I guess, met each other or coached with the, with one on one, one another. Um, he was the Western Connecticut, Dave, or Kirk Srock was the Western Connecticut State pass game coordinator and wide receivers coach. So their units were going after each other nonstop and uh, in practice uh, every day, pretty much. And then um, that's the only connection I can really find between the two of them. So uh, they do know each other. They obviously both co- coached at Rutgers in the past. So I'm, knowing, I'm sure they know each other from that aspect as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dave Rock has a pretty good resume. He's he's coached so many receivers in his past, whether it be Akeem Nix uh, at North Carolina, who was it, Jordy Nelson at Kansas State, uh, Brandon Coleman at Rutgers, uh, Marquise Colston at Hofstra. Like the list goes on and on. And then you can go to his recent history with uh, Atlanta, where he was coaching Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu, Julio Jones. Uh, they, at one point, I think Atlanta was considered during his tenure with Atlanta, they were considered one of the better, if not best wide receiver cores in uh, yep. the NFL. One of those years. Um, I forget what year that was, but I know it's one of those years he was there. So, I mean, uh, he obviously got let go from there. Uh, things change. Uh, he was there originally with Dan, Dan Quinn as the head coach. Obviously they, uh, they kind of shit canned him a little bit. And then uh, he went down to Dallas, but besides the point that just happens with uh, coaching changes, they're going to get their own guys in and, uh, this this seems like a pretty good hire. I'm I'm intrigued. So we'll see. 
Yeah, just kind of going through some of the, the players you mentioned. So he was the wide receivers coach at Hofstra and helped develop Marquise Colston into a fairly unknown recruit into, you know, an NFL star for, you know, over a decade. Jordy mm-hmm. Nelson was just kind of like a middling player at Kansas State. He had like 669 yards his, his first year at Kansas State. His second year, he had 547. Dave Brock gets hired as the wide receivers coach in 2007. And then Jordy Nelson just goes thermonuclear. He had 122 catches, 1,606 yards, and 11 touchdowns his final year at Kansas State. Um, not saying that Brock directly made him a star, but definitely helped his development. Uh, Calvin Ridley, the first-round pick for the uh, the Falcons, kind of had two decent first two years. But under Brock, he had his best career year in 2020 with 90 catches for 1,374 yards and nine touchdowns. It just seems like he's developed players everywhere he's gone. I can't really speak to his recruiting prowess, but everywhere he's gone, he's had guys get developed. Like his his wide receiver room at North Carolina, you've already mentioned Hakeem Nix, but he had two other NFL receivers and Jesse Holly and Brandon Tate there as well. Um, he coached tight ends for Boston College for three years between 2009 and 2011 before he got hired as Rutgers offensive coordinator. He wasn't that bad yeah. as offensive coordinator for, for Rutgers in 2012. Rutgers had a pretty good offense under Gary Nova. Um, I think Leonte Crew was there as well, or was that the following yeah, yeah. year? Yeah, I forgot about yeah. Leonte. Yeah, you're right. So Leonte Crew. Rutgers had uh, its first Big East title that year, which is a four-way split. It's tough to really call that a Big East title. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's just had a, a history of kind of, Success wherever he's gone outside of the, the the Delaware head coaching job. As an assistant, though, it's hard to really poke holes in his resumes. And when you've coached in the NFL, you can point to all these guys that kids know and watched on TV and are legends, like Julio Jones, the first ballot Hall of Famer. He coached him. Um, it's a solid hire, uh, but it continues to be plucked from from the the Shiano tree. Either if it's one branch out or two branches out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty clear what he values. Um, and I kind of want to talk about what he values because it seems like Shiano is learning a lesson here um, in terms of hiring, you know, inexperienced coaches he thinks can be good re- recruiters. Hasn't really worked out for him from Augie Hoffman to Coach Nunn's, who he kept on from the last staff. Demir Shaw has been okay as a coach, I guess, but I think he thought he'd be a, a potential replacement for Fran as a recruiter. And look what he's done this offseason in, in terms of who he's hired. He's hired Kirk Soraka, who's been an offensive coordinator now for over a decade since he left Rutgers. He hired uh, Dave Brock, who's got, you know, 30 years of coaching experience at all levels of college football from the FCS level to the, the Power Five level and then the NFL level. Um, and I, I, I'd imagine that we're going to probably hire a similar profiled coach when we eventually hire our offensive line coach. Um, but what else, what else sticks out to you about Dave Brock? Um, but recruiting wise, like you said, it's, I, I don't think he's really that good of a recruiter, um, but he, he did recruit Hakeem Nix and obviously he saw something with him, brought him to North Carolina. And uh, other than that though, I can't really find much about him recruiting at Rutgers during, I know it was one season, so it's hard to tell. Uh, I was looking at the tight ends in Boston College for those couple years. Not, nothing really crazy. At, uh, I forget the guy's name. I just had to pull up Liam something. He had like 200 yards, 300 yards, 200 yards. Nothing, nothing insane. Uh, not a not a lot of receptions either. So I, I know that's intriguing just because Soraka loves to use the tight ends. It seems like, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he seems like every time he's been a coordinator, it just hasn't worked out. But when he's been a wide receivers coach, it's worked out phenomenally, whether it be Kansas State, North Carolina. Uh, who was the other one? Oh, the Falcons, duh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it seems this just seems like a pretty good hire. And even as the head coach, I, he had two seasons at Delaware where it was seven wins and six wins. And considering it's your first two years, it's really not that bad. Uh, now, did things tail off a little bit towards the end? Yeah. But, again, this is just a guy who is starting to – I think he's kind of realizing, like, all right, like – Maybe I'm not a coordinator, and it's not for everybody. So maybe he's just a, a position coach, and this is going to work out for him. And uh, maybe he springloads it into another job as an OC again, or maybe he just stays here for a while as as wide receivers coach, which is, I think there's a really high possibility of, considering he's a Jersey native, and he's he's already 55, going to be 56 soon. So maybe you just want to end your career on a on a nice little high note of uh, coaching receivers for Giano and crew. Yeah, he's a South Jersey guy from Morristown, so he knows the area well. Um, I guess we'll kind of see it's TBD what he is as, as a recruiter because it's you mm-hmm. know, he hasn't been a college position coach in over a decade. He hasn't been in college since 2016, so mm-hmm. maybe he's learned a, a few tricks. Maybe he wants to get back out there. Some people, you know, really miss the. You, you're either all about being a college coach or you're all about being a professional coach, like either you just want to coach or you really like building those relationships and, mm-hmm. and developing, you know, young players into to men and to, to NFL level prospects. Um, are you hearing anything regarding the, uh, often the open offensive line coach job? Because that seems to be the only, the only opening on the staff now that we're aware of. Yeah, no, nothing really new. Um, I did tell people yesterday on our board that we're going to add a who, – who did I say I was going to add? I was going to add someone to the board. It's a big name guy. Did we guy just talk about him? No, no, we didn't talk. Well, I'm going to add him in a second, but there was someone else I was going to add to the board. Um, sure. I can't remember for shit. I've completely lost these past couple of days just because we're doing like three pods a week now, and it's like, what the fuck is going on? Go but uh, no, I mean, the, the one name I, I'd probably keep a close eye on <laughs> – Bring back Robo. Damien yeah. Robolewski. Robolewski. Yep. Look at that. I got the pronunciation sort of right. Um, <laughs> it would make a lot of sense. He's the assistant head coach slash O-line coach at uh, James Madison. There's your Harris Simiak and Corey Heatherman connection. He was uh, 04 to 05, uh, Hofstra. No, he wasn't there at Hofstra. With, uh, he, he was also... The O-line coach, assistant head coach, slash recruiting coordinator from 2007 to 2011 at Delaware, who was at Delaware during that time. Oh, I was going to let you say it, but Rock. It's, it's all Sorry. good. <laughs> uh, no, uh, actually, uh, I think it was Kirk Soraka. Uh, Kirk Soraka was there in 2012. No, am I doing this wrong? I'm doing this wrong. Kirk Soraka was OC slash QB's coach Sorry. in 2007. And yep. Damian Roboleski was O-line coach, associate head coach in 2007. So they have a connection there as well. So he knows Soraka. He knows Harris Simiak. He's been at Rutgers. This checks all the boxes. It makes a lot of sense. Um, he's, coached, he's coached with Brock at Rutgers and, at, uh, and, and, like you said, Kirk at Delaware. He's previously yeah. been at Rutgers. He kind of knows what to expect. He's also been everywhere the last few stops for a long time. So he's at Delaware for mm-hmm. five years. He's at Rutgers for two years. He's at Elon for five years. And now he's been at, he's been at James Madison for the last four years. So you don't yeah. keep a job that long if you're not good at what you're doing. And you also don't stay at a job that long unless you're fairly loyal. 
So mm-hmm. uh, I think this one makes a lot of sense. And he's only 46 years old. He's still a young guy. Everybody who speaks about Robo is just glowing. If, if that you were talking about some of the quotes about how you know how hyped up uh, was it Frank Signetti, the, the current uh, head Kurt, coach, Kurt Signetti. Kurt Signetti was when he hired him at yeah. James Madison, basically saying that like you know he's like one of the best coaches I've ever been around. Everybody mm-hmm. loves him. I can't wait to get him on campus. Like he's I'm just over the moon to get him. Um, and this kind of fits into the separations of Shiano. Like he's only like mm-hmm. two branches down. This would make a lot of sense. Good. Yeah. No. I mean, no. It makes it makes a ton of sense. Uh, I know there was like, I guess some not hatred, but like there was some hype around Robo when he first came here, and then I guess it didn't really work out. So then that backfired. But uh, it does seem like he's still like got a ton of hype around him as an as an O line coach, and he might be a decent recruiter too. He's relatively yeah. young still, so he can connect with these guys. And I think there's something to be said, like, as you, as you get more experience, you become better at your job. And this is mm-hmm. evident with like Kirk Soraka, like people weren't necessarily happy with how his final year went at Rutgers, but he's really shown that he's a very high level offensive mind and offensive coordinator in his last two stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing could be for, for, for Robo. Like he had probably all the raw tools to be an excellent coach, but when he was hired at Rutgers, he was only like, you know, 35 years old. Now he's got 10 more years of experience. He's got a few more stops. He knows the area well. I think this one would make a lot of sense. We'll see, though. Yeah. Now, I wanted to dive in a little bit into the other movement. So now, Aldrich has been tight ends coach before at Princeton, so that's not too crazy. Um, the Demir Shaw one intrigues me a little bit because he's never been a running backs coach before. He's been mostly a wide receivers coach, and you can probably hear my dog in the background, and I can't do anything about that at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, no, so uh, – it's it's definitely an interesting one because I don't know how he'll do. And now you're putting a lot of like a lot of this recruiting on guys like Demir Shaw and Ulrich and Lascari and uh, Watson and Orphy because those are supposed to be your, like better recruiters of the bunch. And you're putting a ton of pressure on them to make it make it happen recruiting wise because it doesn't seem like Dave Brock's the greatest recruiter in the world, which is fine if he can develop talent. Who the hell cares? Yep. Um, and same thing with Soraka. Like a lot of people I've talked to, they're like, who's, who's Kirk Soraka? And I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like he's not <laughs> the sexiest hire in the world, but he's a good OC. So now it's like another player development guy. Yep. So it's getting like, you're putting a lot of pressure on, on a couple of these guys on staff to, to be these main recruiters. And I think that's where it's going to be interesting, especially because a guy like Dave Brock comes in as wide receivers coach. Assistant coaches have to recruit. If you're a yep. coordinator, you can get away without recruiting for the most part. You'll still recruit here and there. Like Harris Simeon's still going out and about and checking out schools and talking to recruits. But for the most part, it's going to be your assistants. And this guy hasn't been at an assistant coach in college football since since his days at Rutgers, pretty much. Like, yep. So it's, it's a little concerning because the game has changed completely, too, with NIL and everything. And that's where it's going to get tricky. He's going to have to learn, learn that one real quick. Be like, why can't I get this kid? I've been talking to him nonstop. Yep. Oh, it's because he has a $1.2 million offer down on the other side. Like, oh, yep. that makes sense. Like, so it's it's definitely going to be intriguing to see how these guys still recruit. Um, because end of the day, recruiting is 65, 75% of the job still. Like, yes, yeah. that's basically it. So we'll see. And then, uh, I, I don't know if for O line coach, you need, you also need a player development guy because yep. you need to develop those guys more than arguably anyone else on a team. Yep. So, I don't know if you're putting the pressure straight up on Shaw, Aldrich, Orphy, um, Watson, because I, I don't know if the other guys are really as as good as recruiters as those four I just named. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, seems like Shiano is leaning heavily towards uh, strong X's and O's guys over strong recruiters, mm -hmm. probably in a large part because those guys are easier to land and more interested in, you know, the pitch of just being a strong coach versus having to be on the road and, you know, mm -hmm. busting your ass recruiting. I mean, it's yeah. part of the job regardless though. So, um, I guess we'll see. That's, that's the one dot that we seem to, you know, connect and maybe is, ends up being true. Uh, the other O-line coach that made a lot of sense to me is Brian Callahan that we've already kind of discussed. Who's been the, uh, offensive line coach under Soraka at Western Michigan. He's been offensive line coach under Soraka at Minnesota. Um, he's been at both stops for just as long as Soraka had for the most part. So he's very loyal to, it sounds like to, to Fleck too. So I don't, I don't know if that's, ha that would happen, but that's a dot that makes a lot of sense to connect. Um, um, I remember his other name. Figured it out. Ed Go for it. War War in there? Yes. Ed Warner. Yes. You'd make a lot yes. of sense too. He was the offensive line coach. I don't know if he was the offensive he, – he coached with Shiano at Ohio State, and then he went on to have a, a really successful uh, stint as the Michigan offensive line coach. Mm -hmm. like Prior for, to that, uh, he was Minnesota's O-line coach for a year under Soraka. So. Yep, he was Minnesota's offensive line coach under Soraka for a year, um, and now he's currently the assistant head coach and offensive line coach at FAU. And, you know, mm -hmm. I can only imagine what it's like living in Boca. It's got to be nice weather-wise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you got to think that Rutgers could probably blow his current salary out of the water. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess we'll see there. Because I think he's coaching – is Tom Herman now the head coach at FAU or is that FIU? Uh, that is a good question. I could tell you real quick. But he's also that's, – let's not forget, he's assistant head coach. He's um, run game coordinator and O-line coach. So this man's got all the titles in the world. I'm sure they've yep. probably exhausted whatever they could. It is Tom Herman. Uh, yep. They exhausted whatever they could money-wise in order to keep him. So now yeah. it's at the point where it's like, all right, well, we have no more money. Let's see if, if Rutgers offers or another Power 5 offers. He's gone. Like, nothing we could do. Yep. But ton of experience, um, Big Ten experience, connections to Shiano, connections to Soraka. This one makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I think this that would be like another home run hire, to be honest. That would be it. I was reading about his time at Michigan, and – Michigan early early on under uh, Harbaugh had a ton of struggles on their offensive line. Warner came in and fixed that almost immediately. They had a really strong run. Um, they started to develop that kind of identity that you see now with the last few years under Michigan. And fans were kind of up in arms when he got let go because he got fired after the 2020 season because it's like, this guy's been one of our best coaches. Why are we firing him? Didn't really make sense. Um, and he's been he's been at FAU now. It's going to be his third season this uh, upcoming season, and he's now on his second coaching staff there. So who knows? He's sixty one yeah. years old. Some people, you know, they just kind of want to go somewhere and stay somewhere where uh, they're both appreciated and also where they're comfortable. Maybe he's comfortable there. We'll see. I don't know. He, yeah, he makes a lot I of mean, sense though. Well, like you said, Boca is uh, something else. Down Not bad. There, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, hey, Florida Heat kind of stinks, especially for a guy that's been uh, what in the North for majority of his career between yep. Michigan State, Army, uh, Illinois, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Minnesota. Like this man's been cold forever. Like yep. might, maybe he likes the Heat, or maybe he's just like, wow, this kind of stinks. Like, yep. Um, but yeah, no, definitely another name to keep an eye on. Yep. And to recap the three names we're thinking right now uh, would make a lot of sense for the offensive line coaching job. 
Damian Robles- Robleski, uh, who's formerly at Rutgers, um, mm-hmm. Ed Warner, who has connections to the staff, and also uh, help me out here. Who's the third? the third one? I forget. Oh, Tinfoil Hat Man. No, not 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 Kyle. Oh, we'll get to. We'll get, oh, come on, man. There's a chance. Yeah, we're not going to do that. We we just talked names. Though. I know. Oh, who's the third name? Um, I don't think there was a third name. Wasn't it just two. It's just oh, well, Bill oh, Cam. No, yeah, it was Bill Bill Callahan or Brian Callahan. Callahan. No, Brian, yeah, Brian Callahan, and then there's Bill Kenny, who's also uh, got connections to Soraka during his time at uh, Western Michigan, I believe it was. Yeah, but that's, right. that's another name we'll talk for another day. But um, hear me out. There was a certain coach at Rutgers for several years under Shiano, under Soraka. Brought mm-hmm. Dave Brock to the Falcons with him. Mm-hmm. Brought Dave Brock to Texas with him last year. Yeah. Go on. Kyle. Kyle Flood. The return of the legend. He's a great recruiter, a developer of talent. He's probably not leaving his cushy OC job at Texas whatsoever, but it the connections are there. They also worked at Hofstra together back in uh, late 90s, uh, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. In Delaware. Like, it makes too much sense. Uh yeah. Uh there's connections, but I a lot. Uh, Wait I, a bit. <laughs> I think this is just pandering at this point. We we both know that's yeah. not happening. No, um, it's not, but it's funny too. The connections are there. Like there's everything possible. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he was Shiano's guy for forever. And Shiano loves him from what I understand. So Yeah, of course. All right. Sharkesian's guy. Now he's Sarkeesian's guy. Uh, he won a title at Alabama. <clears throat> he's got a good life. He's got a cushy gig down in Texas. Oh, yeah. Um, the the still, number one recruit house? in the country the last like, three years. <clears throat> yeah. Two of the last three years, sorry, with Quinn Ewers and uh, Arch Manning now. But let's talk. He uh, a house in Jersey, too. Does he? Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so, huh? Something to watch. Something to watch. I would not <laughs> hold my breath there, uh, everybody at home. Yeah. Uh, we're. Mainly just saying it to, to fuck around. Uh, we do have a basketball game tonight. Rutgers is facing off against Michigan State at the Breslin Center in East Lansing. Rutgers has never won there. Uh, Rutgers in its history is 0-4 at East Lansing. Um, mm-hmm. Its most recent game coming in the 2021, uh, 2020-21 season there. Um, they've been really hot recently. Uh, the last, I think in December, they went, or the last eight games, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So they had a seven-game winning streak. Um, they currently have lost their last two games at Illinois and home against Purdue in a one-point loss. Um, mm-hmm. But pre- prior to that, they were just on fire. They were just, they're kind of squeaking out a lot of games, but they were mm-hmm. they were playing really well. Um, their three losses in conference this year are to Purdue, Illinois and home against Northwestern. I thought that was interesting because Northwestern, if you're, if you're looking for like a junior version of Rutgers in the league, it's definitely Northwestern. Um, and they lost at home by seven Northwestern. Uh, so it seems like, and just from that one game alone, they might struggle with a team like Rutgers um, who plays good defense and just causes a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of agita, um, when you're taking, you know, press most of the game, I, I don't know if that's the strategy they're going to go with. But uh, how do you feel about tonight's game against Michigan State? I'm eerily confident. Um, I'm riding this high off the basketball team for the past couple uh, couple games, recruiting wise, everything else. 
Um, I'm kind of like pretty confident in this team. And I didn't, I was looking at the numbers today and I'm like, holy shit, Rutgers has a better scoring offense, a better scoring defense. Um, obviously, I, I like to think Rutgers defense is better. The only thing that like kind of scares me is three pointers, which they, they do hit a decent <clears throat> amount, but it's not much higher than Rutgers. Like Rutgers is hitting them at 32%, they're hitting them at 36%. So it's really not that big a deal. Uh, free throws are about equal. Rebounding, Rutgers kind of has the advantage offensively. O- offensively, defensively, it's it's a two two point di- or two rebound difference. Um, but Rutgers has the higher average. I mean, this this team's defense they've been forcing sixteen turnovers per game. If I read that correctly, holy shit, mm-hmm. that's that's big. Yep. Compared to like Michigan's only averaging nine or forcing nine turnovers per game. This is this is huge for Rutgers. I think they can snag this win. They're also on a two game winning streak against Michigan State, dating back to uh, what was it last season, I guess. Um, yeah, twenty twenty. Let's see, twenty twenty twenty. Yeah, so yeah, they're dating back to that last season. Um, I I think Rutgers pulls this one off. The only reason Michigan State's a favorite is because it's a home home court advantage, three point yep. favorite. Rutgers has never win there, so that's that's going to hurt a little bit. And in terms of spread, and that's that's pretty much all I really see. Like I think Rutgers pulls this one out, and I'm I'm very confident in this team. They pull this one out. They're only what one game out of first place in the Big Ten from Purdue. They're one game. They're one full, a full one game out right now. Um, they don't play Purdue again, which uh, <laughs> kind of hurts. It's nice. But... It kind of hurts though because we don't have an opportunity to kind of uh, you know uh, mm-hmm. what is it called um, fulfill our own Tom destiny. Breaker. Yeah, oh. no, no, no. Like, uh, we don't have we don't have our own destiny in our own hands. I, you know, there's a better way mm-hmm. to say that. But <laughs> yeah, I um, but we do play. Uh, I think Minnesota two more times on the schedule. So that's good. Like, we we mm-hmm. do have. I think we have the easiest schedule in the Big Ten moving forward, from what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, recently, so this is a big game, obviously, because it's one of the teams in the top five in the Big Ten. If you look at all the metrics, Rutgers is the better team. Like Rutgers is number 16 in Ken Palm. Michigan State is number 40. If you look at uh, Bartorvik, mm-hmm. Rutgers is 10th. Penn State or Michigan State is 42nd. So a lot of the metrics are on Rutgers' side, but it's tough to win on the road. It's tough because, one, the referees in the Big Ten favor home teams. And this isn't against the Rutgers no. thing. It's, it's home teams get whistles in the Big Ten. It's unfortunate, but we have to accept this as a reality, as Rutgers fans. It's just way it is and that that is a a snake pit and they are going to be fired up this is a team that you know has a very uh passionate fan base and this is going to be a game that they sell out and it's going to be loud and it's going to be just it's going to be almost as intense as purdue it's a 6 30 game so it's a little early of a tip off um Mm -hmm. so maybe that plays in Rutgers' advantage but i do I, i look at the the northwestern game and that gives me a lot of uh optimism because they're, like I said, a similar team to Rutgers. They press a lot. They play very tenacious defense and Michigan state lost at home, uh, to, to Northwestern. So, yeah. And if you're bored, like at halftime and, uh, you got that picture in picture, uh, you got the expensive ass cable, um, put on Purdue, Minnesota. It's probably gonna be a blowout, but you never, it's the big 10. You never know. Maybe mm-hmm. Minnesota pulls this out and that would help Rutgers tremendously. Yep. But I probably don't see that one happening, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, if you look yeah. if you look at Michigan State's losses on the year, so they've lost one, two, three, four, five, six games. Um, four of their six losses were against top twenty-five defenses, according to Ken Palm, in terms of defensive efficiency. So mm-hmm. this isn't like 
the most, uh, <laughs> this isn't the most like complex take, but they've struggled against elite defenses and Rutgers has an elite defense. Rutgers is ranked third in terms of uh, Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. So this is a game Rutgers can win. And in all honesty, they, they're favored to win the basketball power index. They're favored to win Ken Palm. They're favored to win Bartorvik. Bartorvik has Rutgers as a one point uh, favorite in this game. And mm-hmm. I think in terms of sports books, Penn or Michigan State, I think they were a two and a half point favorite. I think that line has gone up to a three point favorite. Let's check that like. now. Yeah, but that's what it says on bracketologist. But uh, okay. yeah, no, I mean, also Big Ten teams. It seems like obviously they beat up each other quite a bit. It just seems like once yep. you lose, you go on a streak of losing. Once you win, you go on a streak of winning. So like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in a row for Michigan State wins. Then all of a sudden they lose to Illinois. They lose to Purdue, and it's like. All right, I see a trend. Like they're going to lose the yeah. Rutgers, probably going to lose to Indiana. Then they're just going to bounce back out of nowhere and just get three wins in a row. That just yep. seems like the trend throughout the entire Big Ten. So, I I think Rutgers has this one. I, I can't say in the bag anymore because it's the Big Ten, but I like to think Rutgers wins this one relatively easily. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if I would say they're going to win it easily, but I think they need to continue to play. Good defense beyond the arc because they have a few guys who can really shoot it and Tyson Walker mm-hmm. and uh, a few of their other guys on the bench. They've, they've shot pretty well from deep as a team. Um, they're a a 37% three-point shooting team as a team. So they've got mm-hmm. a lot of shooters. If Rutgers can continue to to play that really high-level defense on the perimeter, I, th- I think Rutgers has the potential to win this easily. But I, I don't think it's going to be an easy game, honestly. Um, yeah. They played Purdue tight. We played Purdue tight. They got uh, they won on the road against Wisconsin when they were ranked. Uh, but this is going to be a fun game. I'm excited to watch it. I'm glad it's happening like right after work uh, because uh, I, don't, I don't I don't like having to wait till like nine o'clock to watch these games like against Northwestern. That was, that was a brutal wait. But yeah, that's not fun. But uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. This is going to be an interesting one. Yep. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we uh, hit the road here? Uh, no, I mean, there's. I don't think anything's happening in terms of visitors this weekend. They might have like a couple of uh, smaller name guys, but uh, it sounds like for the most part, next weekend will be the other junior day. Um, I expect a ton of big name visitors again, just like just like last weekend. Uh, we had instant reactions from Alex. Uh, we had there's a commitment, there's a hoops commitment. Uh, more on Dylan Harper, of course. People are hesitant because they're like, one guy on our board was like, I just get a weird vibe seeing all these articles before a kid commits. And I'm like, yeah, that's because we have a pretty damn good hoops analyst that's been mm-hmm. fucking watching every game possible. Yep. This man's went to New York. He's went to Vegas. He's went to Georgia. Like, he's, he's been going nuts. I guess shout out to Zach. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, this is what happens. Like, hoops, recru- hoops is on the rise. We, we got a hoops recruiting writer. We're posting more hoop stuff. Like it's yep. just how it works. Like football's on the rise. We'll post more football stuff. Like that's this is just it. Like just get ready because this is. The, I hate to say it. Right now it's a hoop school. I just no. I, I take it back because Dave White's gonna yell at me for that one. Because um, he yelled at me last time. I said <laughs> I hate to say it before saying something about hoops. Yep. Um, I don't hate to say it. I love to say it. Yep. Rutgers is a hoop school now, and will be for the foreseeable future. With Ace Bailey, with Delquan Warren, with Gavin Griffiths, with Bay Nadangu, with who's the other one in that? Derek class? Simpson. Uh, Jamichael Davis, Derek Michael Simpson, Davis. Antoine Wolfolk. This is it. This is the roster that's going to make that run. 
that we've been potentially more for. too. Potentially more too. You are you talking chips? No, no, no. Well, obviously, there's <laughs> if if that is our roster going into 2024, 2025, that is a team that should compete for Big Ten titles. And if you're competing mm-hmm. for Big Ten titles, you should be competing for national titles. But there's an additional recruit there who could also be in the fold at some point. Um, maybe a you know, sibling of a former Rutgers great. I don't know. I'm not going to put a name out there, but you guys can connect the dots. Uh, or son of an NBA champion. Could be the guy I'm talking about. I, I don't know. I'm NBA yeah, champ, like, hope to see. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what yeah. has happened? I mean, it, it almost feels like you're going to wake up from the stream at some point. It is very surreal. I couldn't be happier for the Rutgers <laughs> basketball program because Pike is the GOAT. I you know, I can't say enough of good things about that guy. He's just, yeah. And you should know as, as a Rutgers fan, how awesome he is. And like, even as a reporter, like the man writes me a handwritten letter every year saying, thank you so much for covering our team. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it, Rich. You love what you do. Keep it up. And I'm just like, dude, my, like it gets sent to my, it gets sent to my old address at my parents' house. And they like, they're like, you got a letter from Steve Peichel. And I'm like, yeah, this guy <laughs> is amazing. And she's like, yeah. that's just so nice. Like he doesn't have mm-hmm. to do that. Like that's just, no. the man just gets it. He gets how it's supposed to be done. This, I I'll say it. My favorite hire from Rutgers history of all time. Like it's yeah. Steve Peichel. Build the statue, figure out the, the renovation shit and just put it somewhere there. And uh, that, that's it. Yeah. He needs a statue. He's, I'm done. Like, get him a plaque. Get him something. I don't know. Yeah. Rank over. I, I, it'll be interesting as more coaching positions open up, like, how many fan bases are like, we should hire Steve Peichel, thinking that, like, Rutgers is just going to let him go and that Pete, like, Pike wants to leave. Like, I, I really get the sense that Pike isn't going anywhere. Like, I don't think he would leave for really any job because Rutgers treats him well. He loves what he's built here. There's not many places where you're going to have that kind of home court advantage. And he's in the, right in the middle of like one of the hottest recruiting beds in the country. And he's shown that he could also recruit nationally too. So I, I truly do not think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to retire with Rutgers and be kind yeah. of the Rutgers version of Coach K. Um, well, like I said, there was one spot I thought he might have left for, and that was UConn. But it sounds like that's yeah. it wasn't even, like he wouldn't even consider really doing that. Um, they went with Hurley. He stayed here. Build him a statue. Give him the Izzo contract. Give him a lifetime every year. Steve, you want to be here? Yes, I'm in. Okay, up it. Here's the money. Here's the year. Done. We'll do it again <laughs> next year. We'll talk to you then. Well, and the, the 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 dynamic that's really changed the most in the last decade with college sports in general is conference affiliation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you used to be a Power Five or Power Six coach, it was fairly even between you know SEC to Big East to ACC to Pac-12. The differences have grown and grown year after year where a school like UConn, even though Pike went there, you know, they play in the Big East, what they get financially doesn't even hold a candle to what Rutgers gets financially at this point. So you're going to have so many baked in advantages being a Big Ten coach, especially a successful one that has an arena that sells out and one that's going to even have more capacity in the the coming years. That's something that you, you literally like, unless you have, a guy like T. Boone Pickens, who's willing to just subsidize the university as a multi-billionaire, like you're at such a disadvantage when you don't have that kind of level of financial support. So that's another huge reason why I don't think he's leaving. Plus, there's only two super conferences, and and you're in one of yeah. them. So and you're in one. Um, yeah, it. we've gone long. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, 
stay tuned to the boards because it's obviously another coaching vacancy. There's a game tonight. Um, if you haven't already, uh, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. It really does help grow our audience and get this in the ears and eyes of more Rutgers fans. We've had a really huge growth this past year, and we want to continue it moving forward. We want to get more Number people one, viewing. Uh, we have a, a very interesting live show that's coming up. Uh, I guess we'll we'll break the news now. We're going to yeah, do a live show along with uh, Geo Baker and Austin. I don't know if uh, Austin Johnson. I don't know gonna if Austin's going to be there, but Geo's going to be there yeah. at the Olive Ranch uh, for the Indiana game on February seventh. We're going to have a live show there. It's through the front office, so anybody obviously wants to come, feel free to join us. Uh, we'll. We don't really know the, how the format's going to work, but I'm sure we'll have guests mm -hmm. and we'll have questions from the crowd. Um, and we'll, you know, have some beers, eat some pizza, watch the game, hopefully Ooh. be celebrating. I had their, I had their wings <clears throat> recently, man. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, and their disco fries. Oh, they have my heart. Yeah. I, the last time I was there was uh, a few years ago before Rutgers game. Um, so I, I'm excited to get back to mm -hmm. the Olive Branch and to New Brunswick in general. But, yeah, I forget what, right. what game I went to, but uh, it was it was they had a watch party recently, and just real quick, and yeah, yeah, I the, the food the food was great, the setup was awesome. It's going to be a packed house. We're having like a hundred something people there, so get there early. Mm -hmm. I know it's Tuesday night. You could get bombed on a Tuesday night. Who cares? It's not yeah. any data ends or why. That's how it works for me. But, <laughs> um, all right, let's end on that. <laughs> all right, guys. Once again, thanks for listening. It's been another edition of the Night Court Podcast. Sunny. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.